This is the Worth the Squeeze podcast. My name is Sarah, and I'm the owner of the Juice Goddess Super Soul Superfoods Cafe. In my years of bartending, juice tending, management, teaching, and professional artistry, I have experienced that connection is what people crave, especially in the midst of hardship. It is this craving that drives the passion of this podcast. It is to uncover the aspects of life in the business world, within families and relationships, personal health and wellness endeavors, and of living life in general, where we can celebrate the late nights, the uncomfortable growth, and the what the fuck moments, all to truly embrace and understand what truly is worth the squeeze. In today's very first podcast episode of Worth the Squeeze, I have my really good friend, Bo DePena, here. He is an Americana and country songwriter, performer, and producer. He's very focused on the business of independent music, everything from booking, tour logistics, accounting, taxes, digital distribution, and social media, pretty much all of the things. He is an avid outdoorsman, runner, fisherman, and hunter. He loves to cook at home from fresh ingredients, and he is truly one of my great friends. So I want to introduce Bo. Hi, everybody. Hey, Bo. How's it going? Um, it's really fun to have you here today, especially with my first podcast, because we have had a friendship that has a lot to do with business. For whatever reason, we always end up talking about business. And um, But I do have to say first is that we kind of had two near misses at friendship. Do you know this? I do remember that actually. <laughs> yeah. Could have gone really poorly. Uh, I, well, I, I'm, I'm only thinking of one. I can't recall the second one. So you, you do the first one, the one that you know, and then right. I'll bring up the other one. The one that I can for certain recall is we were hanging out over at Donnie, our mutual friend Donnie's place. And you took a sip out of a, out of a cocktail that had been made for you. At which point I thought it would be funny knowing that you were a vegan to say, oh, yeah, we added some bone broth into that mix. And it, you almost spat it out <laughs> for which I was able to say, no, I'm just kidding. I was just messing with you. Yeah, that was almost really bad. <laughs> <laughs> but you laughed at it, which is great because it made, me, it made me realize how cool you were and you had a good sense of humor. So it was a really fun like first. Uh, it was the first reaction or uh, interaction with you that I can really recall that sticks out in my mind from like the first time we got to hang out. So yeah, yeah, that was definitely like our first social hangout instead of right. being at an event or whatever. Um, yeah, that was almost almost a deal breaker, but you pulled it off real nicely. And now we drink together all the time. Cheers. And cheers. <laughs> Salute. Um, so that was the second near miss. The first near miss was way back the first time I ever met you. Um, and you might not even remember, but I was working at Riff Raff Brewing, busy Friday night. Um, so I'm running around like crazy. You come in to sing and I don't know anything about you. You walk in and I'm like, okay, yeah, attractive guy, cool, whatever, but I'm busy. So like, I'm not paying attention and you're wearing what you wear when you perform. So it's very like country Americana. And I'm, I, that was, 
that was my background, but not so much in recent years. And so I was like, oh, okay, whatever, like whatever. And then you start singing and I did a double take, like completely stopped what I was doing. was like, who the hell is that? (laughs) Um, And I heard your voice and I was like, oh, okay, this, this guy's good. And it was, it was just funny because I feel like perception and all of that is just so so different right i grew up in southern california the music i listen to has been very varied and for whatever reason i stepped away from country music for a long time so i just kind of had this idea of okay it's going to be like everybody else but you're not like everybody else and so it really threw me for a loop and i stopped and i paid attention so two near misses because i almost just wrote you off as just like a regular you know bar performer and you're you engage with people so much that you're not a regular performer at all does that make sense i appreciate that and uh you know i i've mentioned this to you before um but certainly one of one of the compliments that i receive that that i take most to heart and that really means a lot to me when i hear it is that uh i'm not a country music fan but i like what you do mm-hmm. so every every time i get that one i'm like just good because I feel that there is kind of a, almost a bias against country music. You know, I've met a lot of people throughout the years and I've even been at like random bars and will strike up a conversation about being a country singer with somebody and they'll prejudge you based on what, what that means. And I, I think there's definitely like a sort of prejudice uh, that kind of comes with saying that you're a country artist. Um, they think, you know, you're just going to be back country and podunk. Um, and, you know, I, I've never really liked that vibe. And as I, I remember getting into it with this jazz musician at a bar in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Same <laughs> thing. And I was like, look, man, I know what you think. Give me a piece of paper and a pen. I'm going to give you the names of like Bob Wills, Asleep at the Wheel, you know, Merle Haggard mm-hmm. um, and like Waylon Jennings and sit down and listen to how much of this music is not just like kind of backwoods country music that from people that don't know what they're doing you get elements of jazz music and rock and roll and uh like even when it comes to like waylon jennings you know damon scott our mutual friend has talked a lot about the rhythms of uh people like waylon jennings and they almost have like a funk soul rhythm to them so when people kind of write off country music as this kind of one particular genre and they'll think of like nashville or whatever it's all dumbed down they're, they may not be listening to the right people because I really do believe that there are some excellent musicians that are well-practiced, well-rehearsed, and well-educated that are putting great content out there that is just more tailored maybe to like the blue-collar or working demographic, which, which to me is perfectly fine. Um, I think that that story needs to be told because that's the backbone of America. So, you know, if you can mix that story of you know, middle America and, and the working class of America, but then also be creative and use elements of all sorts of different kinds of music to project that message. I think that's where you're doing the right thing. And that's what I try to do when I write my music. I think, I think you do it. And that's what I, I'm able to appreciate about you because, you know, I go and I watch you perform and I stay for hours and I listen and that's, you know, with my family or without my family. And, it's nice that it is family friendly, you know, like you're, you're you in front of, especially in front of my kids, you're just you, you don't feel like you have to, you know, scale it down or tone it back or anything like that. But it is nice to see that your music 
doesn't really I feel like I feel like you stay away from stereotypes through your music. You tell amazing stories. You know, you're very much a folk, like folk country Americana. I guess that makes sense Um, because you tell a story and I believe your stories and and I feel like they're all personal and believable, but not to the point where they end up feeling hokey. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think a big part of what I try to do is try not to pander. Um, So uh, we, you and I were discussing a a new song that I just put out that Colorado Rose song. That's about as close to a rodeo song as I've ever written. I've never in my life participated in a rodeo and I haven't written a a horse since I was a teenager. Um, I grew up with, you know, in Laredo, Texas in a town that has a lot of rural influence. It's a huge city now, but you know, a lot of people have ranches and we grew up going to ranches, hunting and fishing. But, um, I don't, I don't use that as a way to pander to people in, a, in an odd way. I'll, I'll use it if it is part of who I am and who my identity is and if it can reflect and connect with other people. But to try to pander for the sake of pandering, I don't like. So like that Colorado Rose song, even though it's kind of airing on the side of a rodeo song, I tell it from the perspective of like you're at a rodeo and you happen to fall in love with a girl who's a barrel racer. But you're not you're not touting yourself as some like big cowboy who knows his shit knows what he's talking about you're just telling a story once again and i think as long as you stay authentic and true to who you are and tell your stories you can't go wrong because that's you can tell it from all sorts of angles and it's still going to resonate with people because they say like oh yeah you're talking you're talking to an audience without necessarily imposing those stereotypes onto the audience or like superimposing you know what everybody thinks a country song should be so that's that's what i try to that's what i try to do and that's what i tried to do with that song specifically so i like i like the new song i'm glad you're gonna play it a little bit later because i I think it's a good one to have and you just you just put it on instagram last night right i did yeah Yeah, that was exciting and here's some news. Uh, we'll see how this goes. But uh, tr- being that we're in the middle of this crisis right now, uh, I'm going to try to put that song together and have musicians from across the state actually do all their parts separately and see if we can put it together into a, a brand new song. So I think see. that would be really cool. Are you going to encourage them to do it um, with a video too? That might not be a bad idea. So yeah, that would be cool. It'd be really neat. I think I'm glad you're talking about our current situation because that is something I wanted to kind of talk about because it's a little bit of why I decided now is the time for us to connect virtually like this because we're not going to get to see each other possibly for another month or two when normally we get to see each other about once a month or so. And um, I think that right now people are really looking for ways to connect with each other differently than they used to. So lately, you know, a lot of Instagram, a lot of Facebook, you feel like you're connected to somebody. But I think right now people want to hear somebody's voice. They want to see their face and they want to feel a little bit more intimately connected because it is such a a weird, confusing time. And I think when people are in a weird, confusing, trying time, that idea of knowing that they're not alone goes a long way. Um, so I'm really grateful that we're having this time right now. And I don't know if we would even have the time, the hours in the day to do this, if we weren't kind of having to sit down and relook at things. So I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about how your life, your business, 
has changed in the last few weeks, starting with like, where were you when you figured out that things were going to get different real quick and that you needed to change the path that you were on for your business over the next few weeks? It's, it's been a super wild ride. Um, I was, you know, I was really excited for March because I had uh, put together a full band tour uh, that was going to do about 10 shows uh, through uh, Wyoming and Montana and then ending in Colorado. And, uh, you know, it was just now getting into the point where uh, my touring season really starts to pick up. I mean, the biggest, the biggest revenues I get really are any time between, I would say March and takes a little break in April kind of, and then May starts to pick back up and then all summer is just go, go, go. So I was in the middle of this March tour and we had left and we had already known that the coronavirus was starting to cause some uh, discomfort among the community and among other people. Um, but we didn't realize it was going to get to the place where it ended up getting to. And I myself am not the type of person to really panic over these kind of things. I do, I do tend to think that, you know, sometimes we, we humans as, as herd animals can sometimes over-exaggerate and, uh, you know, the, the media can sometimes like try to perpetuate our biggest fears and our biggest concerns. But after a, after a few days in, I was like, oh, man, this stuff is, is getting serious. Um, so we played our first four shows and ended up doing really well. We had great audiences and people came out and we had already started taking all the precautions. It was like fist bumps only. We're not shaking hands. We're not hugging people, you know, as much as we wanted to. We were like already starting to kind of be a little cautious. And then. Uh, we finished our last set on Sunday, which was a smaller set in White Sulphur Springs, Montana. And then that Monday, we all kind of woke up the next day after taking a long sleep. And I kind of looked at the looked around, opened my computer and kind of read up on the situation. And it was at that point that we decided, you know, we need to call this because this is getting real. Um, people are starting to, you know, hunker down and these businesses are really going to be hit. Um, so we called all the, the remaining venues and turned out some of them had already planned on canceling uh, the gigs anyway. So it was kind of the right timing. I think it was that Monday of the tour, which I forget what day it was specifically, but uh, we, me and the venues and everybody kind of just clicked. It just turned on and said, all right, this is real. We need to, we need to call this. So I got a hold of all the guys uh, and I, talked to my fiddle player, Ben Lee, Benjamin Allen Levy, who's one of my best friends and my producer and a great guy. He had flown out for it from Austin, Texas, landed in Denver. So he was the first guy I talked to because I said, okay, what are we going to do logistically? Uh, he didn't want to fly. So I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to cancel the tour, drive us to Colorado the 10 hours the next day on Tuesday. And then the next day we're going to drive down to Texas, 15 hours, he and I, and we're going to just hunker down with our families. So that's what we ended up doing. Um, and we end, I, that's where I'm at right now. I'm here in San Antonio, Texas at my mom's place, uh, just because we decided it would be the better, the better move. And I've been pretty much at this house for two weeks. Um, and, uh, going back and forth between here and my dad's ranch out in the hill country and not stopping anywhere in between. Uh, it's kind of a long way of saying that we were in the middle of the tour. And basically for me as a, as a business person, I was right in the middle of when my busy season was about to, about to kick off. Um, so it's changed a lot. Um, I don't know. Is there anything specifically you would like me to touch on? Cause I could, I could talk for hours. So let's try to phone it in. I'll let you, I'll let you drive. Yeah. Thanks for letting me drive. Um, 
No, I know that's kind of one of the, not a problem when we get together, but like anytime we get together, we really can talk for hours because both of us are good conversationalists. And so sometimes I think we have to like reel it in or like, Hey, it's 2am. It's time to go home. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I think, I think what you were talking about is, is definitely what I wanted to know, you know, where you were, how it was feeling. I wanted to talk a little bit about the difference between when you travel individually and with a band. So in this particular time you had the whole band. Um, and so it was, it's different than when you perform by yourself because you had other people to worry about when you were making that decision. So how does that feel? Cause that's, that is where, that's where you are a business owner of a small business and not just Bo de Pena. Yeah. And, uh, that's something that I continue to think about now. Um, so I had Damon Scott, who we know, uh, my friend Ben, and then John Murphy on bass. Um, I didn't have as big of a crew as I've had in the past, which sometimes can be five or six people. Like if Abby, my social media girl comes along, um, but this time around, it was just us four. And uh, so that helps a little bit. And everybody all remained pretty calm, all things considered. Um, but even now, I'm still thinking about, well, those guys lost out on a, maybe even up to like $1,000 per person for the rest of the tour. So one of the things that I've been trying to do is uh, every time I do a live stream or I'm raising some money periodically throughout you know, the, the last two weeks, I've been kind of taking a chunk of that and sending it out to them, uh, you know, just to say like, hey guys, like I know, you know, I'm not obligated to do this, but I just want to make sure you guys have a little stipend or something to keep you going during these tough times. Luckily, uh, most of the guys in the band uh, also tend to have other jobs and other forms of employment that are kind of keeping them, keeping some cash flow coming in for them. Uh, but nonetheless, I'm still trying to do my part in whatever I can just to kind of throw them a bone when I can, when there's enough income, uh, which, you know, brings me to a really interesting observation I've made since is that despite the fact that the gross income is going to be much lower, I'm not going to be making the guarantees that I was off of a lot of these shows or the tips or the merchandise sales. My expenses and overhead have actually been really low. Uh, since this has happened. So all the money that I have started making through streaming services has actually been a really good boon for me in the time of, of this kind of crisis. Um, and luckily for me, it's, it's meant good things. People are still keeping in touch. People are still following along with my social media. And to speak to your point, this is a time when I'm really trying to re-envision what the goal is and what the future is for my business because maybe it does make some more sense pragmatically to start shifting to a more um, digital uh, ecosystem or a digital friendly product. Um, so hopefully that means that it's going to improve what I'm putting out there and the music that I'm putting out there. It certainly has made me rethink about audio quality and trying to get better at singing because doing things in front of a camera really forces you and exposes you to like how good, because when you're live, the energy is there. You know, we yeah. talked about this, um, but when you're in front of a camera, it's almost like you're naked. I mean, people can see every little subtlety. The energy is not quite there to kind of kick people's adrenaline up and, you know, distract them from what's actually happening. So you do have to get better in some ways. So it might, it might be good long term um, to have this kind of break where people are reassessing their business and how they're functioning in the ecosystem. Yes. 
as you are taking in this break and looking at the business aspect of things, are you also having time to be more creative and tap into your singer-songwriter side, especially the songwriter side? Or are you, are you getting, getting stuck in the business stuff? Like where, where are you and all that? Um, you know, it's a little bit of a balance. I'd say it's definitely erring on the business side. Like, where do I want this to go? Uh, what's my, what's going to be my mission and how am I going to apply it going forward? And how can I do other things that are going to help supplement the music thing? Um, where, however, I did write a song yesterday, you know, I was able to kind of sit in my space and write a song. I'm very much the type of songwriter that doesn't, doesn't like to force it. I know that the pros out there would probably suggest, no, you got to get out in front of your computer, like your notepad or whatever, and just force yourself to write. I've never been very good at that. Um, so because of that, if the inspiration comes, it comes like it did yesterday. I was able to sit down and write something that I think has a potential. Um, but mostly my mind has been set on what is this going to do for the rest of my life? The rest, the rest of my career. Yeah. For sure. Which is wise. I mean, this is, I think it's a good time to take the time to focus on that. Instead of getting fearful, you're actually being productive with your thoughts and your future and really focusing on what this is going to look like for you as a business owner, as an artist, and as a band with all the guys. Yeah. And I think it would behoove a lot of people to respond in such a way that they're not allowing this thing to put them in a place. And, you know, it's, it's easier said than done because there's some people that really, you know, may not have it as fortunate or as well off um, to sit and really think about those things. Cause some people are really stressing out about this for, for good reason. But if you have the opportunity to take a breath and step back and analyze everything you've done up to this point and see whether or not it's the direction you want to go, then it's good. You know, not just in your, in your business, um, or in your creativity, but also in your, your health and your, your family and your friends, like redeveloping those relationships. Because I know that when I was go, go, go and grinding, I was not being the best friend or the best family member or the best, you know, contributor to society that I could always be because you get so wrapped up in the business of what you're doing. So, um, this has been, you know, as, as odd as it is to say, this has been a kind of reset and refresh. Um, to try to do things better when things do start to pick up again. It's like, how do you, how do you go forward instead of, instead of allowing that fear and the, uh, the burdens to weigh you down? It's like, how do you use this as an opportunity to, to actually like remove your past burdens and your past, you know, uh, I can't even come up with a word, just your past. Um, Bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, the, there is a lot of bullshit. Like, how do you scrape that away in this during this time to say like let's let's do better going forward, you know? For sure. How that totally makes me think. We've talked about business and we've talked about creativity. How are you finding ways to take care of yourself, like physically, mentally, emotionally during this time? I know. I mean, we're having tequila together. That's yeah. you know a good sipping. <laughs> Sipping, yes. Yeah, both uh, of us are sipping. Yeah. I will do that right now. Cheers. Yep. You want it? <laughs> Cheers. Um, but I know you love to run. I, I know you like to hunt and fish. So what are what are some things that you're doing to self-preserve and take care of yourself and make sure that you are hitting all the bases so that you're not getting too hyper-focused on any one thing? 
Man, it's been, I got to tell you, I think I'm healthier in the last two weeks than I've been in the last two years. It's awesome. I've been getting out running, um, you know, trying to get myself back into running shape. I used to run marathons when I was living in New York City. Um, and that was a that was a really interesting time in my life. I was unhealthy in other ways, but I was really <laughs> healthy physically. And, um, you know, it was it's this has allowed me to kind of start getting back out there i and i feel great you know i've been doing the running i've been doing calisthenics at home just like free weights and kettlebell as well as doing a lot of yoga i i can say i've never been this flexible in my life (laughs) it's a good thing it is more people do it i don't care if you're like the manliest man whatever you know like yoga is so good for you football players have to be flexible basketball players have to be flexible and i know I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I know you're somewhat flexible because you sang karaoke one time at a bar and you did this like back. <laughs> I did that kick too, I think, right? Yeah. It was uh, yeah, I was, was like <laughs> you're doing Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it was was amazing. I was like, damn. <laughs> 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 that guy. Um, but it it is kind of interesting that you're you're making time to do these things. And I know you care about these things even before this, because we've talked about it before. We've talked about yoga and taking care of yourself. You're doing, were you doing a bunch of push-ups before or sit-ups? What was, was your challenge? Push-ups. I was trying to, at some point, and I kind of let this fall off a little bit during the tour touring season, but there was a point where even when I was on tour, I would try to um, get a hundred push-ups in a day. Um, so that's like, not at one sitting, but like try to do 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 until I get there or 25, four times, you know? Um, but the goal was to hit a hundred every morning. So wake up. And that was like the first thing I did. Um, and that felt good. Um, but you know, you can only do so much with that. It was neglecting other things. And I, I think in the end, I really do love running. Um, I'm, and I'm not necessarily, I don't have the body type. That's like going to be a super athlete when it comes to that, but I do try to get out there and get my four miles in as often as I can, maybe three times a week, four times a week. Um, and being at a period like right now where work is slow, as far as the touring schedule goes, I have that opportunity. So I take advantage of it. Um, I think it's important. I, I really do. And and not just for your physical health, but for your mental health and for like, you know, being able to be creative and avoid the anxieties that sometimes weigh you down in your creativity. Um, that being said, you know, I've written a lot of great songs when I'm anxious and depressed, you know, but not advocating for that lifestyle, but I have written some really good stuff when my mind's in that place. But. Darker place. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting that you say that. The, the nice thing about running is that it's free, right? Yeah. Um, for the most part. Yeah. Pretty much free. You can do it pretty much anywhere, depending on the situation. I have a really good friend that I, I will be interviewing at some point on here who owns uh, or who started a nonprofit called Virago Fitness. And she did it because she wanted fitness to be free to everybody, especially those that are going through a difficult time um, of addiction or loss or pain or whatever, because that is one of the things that really can catapult somebody out of a dark space is yep. getting that endorphin of running or you know Zumba or yoga or whatever it is that people find. And so it's interesting when you run, it sounds like it kind of helps you clear your head. Do you, do you listen to music while you run or are you like a, you need it quiet so you can just like be in the moment? 
You know, I when I was marathon training, I never listened to music. Um, it it was it was kind of accepted among the community of runners that I was involved in because I, I would actually lead a lot of run clubs and run groups when I was living up in New York City. And there's a few reasons why you don't want to have music in when you're actually like seriously training, especially up in New York. Is for one, you don't want to get hit by a car. Yeah. There's a lot of taxis. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of taxis. There's a lot of people driving around. You don't want to get hit by a car. So that's that's one good reason. The other one is that when you're running, um, it's a very it's a highly repetitive sport, a re very repetitive motion sport. So if you get into a, uh, a groove where you're overtraining and you're doing that repetitive motion over and over and over again and your form is off, that could definitely lead you to some injuries and stuff that's going to put you out of the game. So you want to be able to hear your footfall and, mm -hmm. and hear the way your, your feet are making contact with the ground because you having that audio, um, I, I guess, uh, interaction with your footfall actually makes you run more efficiently because you start running lighter and you don't put as much pressure on your feet as you're running. Start taking shorter steps, increase your cadence, and that prevents you from getting injured. So um, it's good not to have headphones in when you're truly training, especially when you're in a race. You don't want to do that. You will get really nasty looks if you're in a race and you're wearing your, your, your buds. Um, but so I didn't. And then when I started doing it more for just kind of staying fit and going out on these trails in Colorado, then I would start listening to it because it was a little bit more relaxed situation. I wasn't trying to like speed or make any times. And now that I'm getting really back into it and trying to push it to the next level, uh, I, I, I no longer listen to music. And that's because I'm trying to make certain goals on like, uh, you know, certain certain time goals on my intervals and reach certain distances that I'm in my head. And I, I, I'm thinking about things. I'm thinking about life and creativity and music and all sorts of things. But I'm also thinking, all right, this is my, this is my hard run. This is my hard interval. I'm going to take a break. What am I going to do next? Like what's my strategy as I run? So to answer your question in very long form, I no longer am listening to music when I run. I'm doing a lot of thinking. Yeah, I'm trying to use my brain while I'm out there. That's kind of not surprising. I felt like you might say that um, because it, it seems like, and this is actually the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, is while you're trying to have this balance of your artist side and your business side, which can sometimes seem like two different things. I know that there's this misconception that artists, and I consider you an artist. Um, artists will never make money. They'll never be known until they're dead. Um, they're not. Uh, they're they're not very good at paying the bills or whatever. And and I think those are like old misconceptions. But for some reason, they still kind of traipse into the lifestyle of you know, drunk, hungover a lot of relationships gone. Um, you know, there's just a lot of bullshit around this idea of artists, right? And one of the things I appreciate about you is we talk a lot about the balance of that, you know, being a performer and going out at night and having drinks with your friends and the people that love your music, but also having this business side of where you want to take care of everything um, so that you have this prolonged life as a singer songwriter instead of just a flash in the pan. And so with this continued balance, we've talked a little bit about how you, you know, move in and out of that, but probably my biggest question on that, what is, what is the thing that keeps you motivated and productive when 
you have these two, almost like two separate things that are a huge part of your business. I, you know, it's still a struggle to this day. I mean, it, it's not, it, you know, I don't have, I don't have the right answer to anything, you know, when it comes to this stuff. And it's, uh, and the thing is, I, I actually don't even think that the criticisms of artists are particularly unfounded. Like, you know, here we, we have a tequila. We're social, we're social beings. And I think a lot of what we want to do is to connect with people. And unfortunately or not, it's, you know, the industry that we work in involves entertainment and going out and kind of parting and allowing people to to de-stress from their work life, you know, which is great. But then that puts us in a position where if we want to do our job effectively, it also involves this other element of kind of a party party atmosphere. You know what I mean? Um, and you and I have done it. We've stayed out and drank after my shows like way too late. And, you know, it's always fun. Um, but it does kind of drag you down because what you have to give up is all the other things that you, ha you have to do to maintain, which is staying fit, uh, keeping up with your, your accounting, you know, all the things that you should be doing, the administrative stuff that requires your mind and your body to be fresh and active, you know, because you're kind of making a sacrifice every time you go out and you stay out and you drink. Um, and there was a really interesting conversation I had out in uh, Grand, at the Grand Targhee Resort in Alta, Wyoming, after our show just a couple of weeks back, uh, somebody asked, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you, how are you keeping discipline and avoiding, you know, drinking too much? And, was, and I couldn't give him a great answer because it's like, man, you know, something I still have to think about. And, if I, and I don't, I honestly don't have uh, an addictive personality where I'm addicted to alcohol or substances. I, I enjoy it. But when it comes to being in front of people, and when I start to socialize, that's when it gets really hard for me to turn it down because I'm not addicted to the, to the substance. I'm addicted to the environment and what we're doing. So unfortunately, that is part of the career. It's part of what I do. And I've kind of accepted that I'm going to have to find a balance. Like I, for me in my personality, my character, it's going to be difficult for me to say no. As long as I don't allow it to drag me down and get me to a toxic level, um, I'm going to, I'm going to continue to try to have those relationships with friends and try to have a relationship with alcohol. Um, but you know, as long as I can continue, I think, I think the answer is, and this is me just thinking about, okay, once again, what am I going to do going forward? Yeah. This is a good question. Cause it's making me think, okay. I think, I think as long as I can continue to do the things that keep me physically active and that keep my mind sharp, then I can continue to have a healthy balance of socializing and having alcohol as long as I'm able to accomplish those things. And recently I've been really good about sticking to my calendar and like blocking out segments of my calendar that no matter what on those weekdays, you are dedicated to this for this hour. And if I got that, then I cannot allow alcohol to change that, or I cannot allow a party atmosphere to change that, you know? So that's going to be my neck one of my experiments going forward in the future but certainly it has been a struggle and it's a good it's a good question because it's an ongoing answer so we'll have to see how it, how it comes out well and i i think even that word balance or harmony is like this kind of nebulous path that we take because every day it can feel a little bit different right yeah um, yeah so and i i know i i know that there are times that you come out to visit and 
we'll go to the hot springs or whatever. And you're like, nope, don't need any drinks. I'm good. And then, you know, the next day at the bar, it's like, oh yeah, you know, cause it's, it's a different social scene. And so it definitely right. seems to me that like, you don't need it but it is part of the social aspect of things. And I think in some ways it's expected because you are a musician and because you play at a lot of bars that, you know, have alcohol or music venues that have alcohol. And so it's just this idea that it goes together. And um, do you feel, do you feel like you play better if you have a little bit of alcohol and then a little, a little bit? A little bit is the key word. If it's, if it's a lot of alcohol, no, not at all. And for several reasons, for one, it's like, all right, you're a little sloppy. So your tempo is going to be a little off. Maybe your vocals are up and down, but for my vocal, I have very sensitive uh, vocals and you know tonsils or whatever's going on in my, in my throat and my larynx. If I am exposed to anything that gives me any kind of inflammation or any kind of reaction or any kind of gunk or mucus, forget it. Like my Adam's apple shoots right up into my, lower mouth and I get real nasally and just mm. just not right and I've heard it played back to me like I've had a drunk show recorded and then I'll hear myself back I'm like that is not my voice that is unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> so, so often when this is appropriate because right now I'm drinking tea and tequila yes <laughs> try to balance each other out the balance exactly. right perfect <laughs> harmony well yeah. and that's you know I typically I get to see you during the day at the at the juice bar and I'm serving you tea and like replenishing your body with juice and stuff. And then, you know, tequila later. So it's fine. It seems like a totally normal balance. And I think for you, and this is probably what allows you to do this, as you said earlier, you don't have that addictive personality, but you are a very motivated, driven person. Um, I did a little research as to what your Myers-Briggs means and it totally makes sense. <laughs> right. I told you it's, I mean, there, there's some negatives to that personality <laughs> as well, but yeah, that's totally me. Yeah, it's totally. So from there, but let's, let's see what you pulled up. Well, yeah. So, I mean, uh, I had asked you to do the Enneagram and you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here I am on the Enneagram, but I'm really like, I feel like Myers-Briggs is where it's at and it has been, let's see it was probably the last time I did the Myers Briggs was when I was in college and that was a long time ago. So I had, I redid it and I think I'm the same thing, but, um, you are, what, what does ENTJ stand for? Ex so extroverted yep. uh, in intuition, I believe. Yeah. And then, uh, thinking and judging, judging. Believe, are the other categories. And they call it the commander. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I know, right? So, so not musician. So not musician. I don't know where that came from. I know. Well, I feel like the intuitive, that's, that's the musician side. That's the, I, I feel it. I can, I, and that's, I think that's where you um, are able to connect with people really well. And then the extroverted part, obviously, you know, when you perform, if you were, like a super introverted person, I don't think you would be able to maintain the lifestyle you have because you would get so drained so quickly, I think. Yeah. And if anything has shifted over the years, I would say I'm definitely becoming more introverted in my off time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you ask me what I want to do on any given weekday that I have off, it's like, don't call me, don't do anything. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to have my cell phone well out of cell phone range, you know? 
And that's, that's the kind of person I tend to be um, when I'm not on the road or I'm not playing. But I think that just has to do with, you know, you're so socially drained, but at heart and in my, in, in my soul or in my, whatever you want to call it, uh, extrovert for sure. Yeah. I can totally see that. You said you're, you told me one time your mom is like the true extrovert though. Oh man. She's the chef. Like she puts me to shame. If I'm at like, you know, if I'm skirting the line between introvert extrovert and I'm like leaning extrovert heavy, she is like at a hundred percent of that side. It's just, and it, 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 I love my mother to death, but yeah, that can drive me crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, I think it's awesome. Um, and then when it comes to the Enneagram, um, you're a one, you're a reformer, which makes sense. Commander, reformer. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I just thought it'd be fun to hear what that means for you. Did you do any research on the Enneagram after you took the test? I did. So like when I think of, when I think of like reformer, a lot of people are thinking of once again, like that kind of more, more musical, free spirited mentality. To me, that's not exactly what that means. And I think I get a lot of this from my dad's side, which is he's very, he's very much a business person himself. Um, And he took many, many years to figure out what he, what was his calling as far as his career goes. And he's made many mistakes, but I've learned a lot about myself through watching him um, and the way he behaves. And the thing is when he, when I hear reformer, I don't think somebody that's out there trying to like cause a rebellion or like a revolution, but you do always question authority and you are trying to do things in a different way. You find those different ways of, of, I, I don't want to say working against the system, but kind of bucking the system and bucking the trends that people say you have to do something this way. Every time somebody tells me I got to do something a particular way, I'm like, fuck you, I'm going to do it another way. And you're going to appreciate the way I do it. And I'm going to kind of overcome, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people that say in order to become successful in music, you got to go through this route. You got to go through this route. You got to get a label. You got to do this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I've got other ideas. I'm going to make this a small business. I'm going to do it grassroots and start it from the beginning. Um, yeah. And you've probably seen that in the way I behave and the way I try to tackle this whole thing, but that's, it's certainly like trying to be a shaker, like shake shit up and not, not allow people to just tell you how it's done. Yes. I, I've seen you do that before because I've heard you have conversations with people. Like I've been in conversations with you I forget exactly what it was, but it was with Nicole. Um, God, what were you guys talking about at the juice bar? Talking about something, something political that we don't have to get into here. <laughs> no. It was interesting because like I am very much in any kind of political conversation. It doesn't matter if somebody's on the right or on the left. I will find a way to be, uh, what's the term? To you be just a ask the question. To yeah. be a contrarian. Like, I don't let people get away with just saying something blatantly without having some sort of basis or understanding of what somebody else might think or even what they think. Like, if they can't, and I'm not saying Nicole didn't, Nicole's incredibly smart, um, but I don't allow, you know, something to be said without trying to give it some sort of pushback in any, in any realm. Totally. That and is I, you. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I think people should be, and this had something to do with uh, the test that you sent me, and it has a lot to do with Myers Briggs. Is I'm not afraid of conflict because conflict gets you to where you want to be. 
You know, it gets you, it gets you to find answers. It gets you to question yourself and the others around you and the way you're doing things. Cause without conflict, you would never know if you were doing something right, you'd just be living in your own bubble in your own mind and nothing would change. And this situation that we're going through right now is a form of conflict and it's making people take a step back and reflect, uh, look at their reflection and ponder over it and say, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? Like, what can we change about the, you know, the way we navigate the world and the navigate industry and navigate uh, life and mm -hmm. social settings? So, you know, I, I have no problem ever questioning, even if it's somebody I agree with, sometimes I'll, I'll just fuck with them. I'll say like, yeah, but what about this? You haven't thought about this, you know, and like, I'll just kind of push them that way. So I, I think that's great. And actually, I like I like that you do that because I'm totally the opposite. I sent you what my Myers-Briggs is, but I'm introverted, introverted, intuitive. So that's the same feeling. And then I think perspective is what it says, but I'm the healer. So, you know, I'm just trying to heal everybody and <laughs> stay away from conflict. <laughs> which, which is beautiful too. I mean, I think, I, I think the, the, one of the things that makes people and societies and civilizations so interesting is that we are so incredibly different. We're one of the most, if not the most diverse species, like, we're all one species, but how many people have you met that I'm, you're like, you're the same fucking thing as me? Like, you're the same animal as me. Like, I'm a little dude. I'm like five foot four, weigh 135 pounds, you know, on a good day, whatever, good or bad, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. And, and nonetheless, there's dudes out there walking around that are six foot 10 and weigh 350 pounds and are just like, they look like they could eat me. And so you, you realize that, the beauty of humanity is that we are so incredibly different. We have so many distinctions between from per, one person to another. And that's one of the things that I like about these tests. They kind of, you know, and, and nothing's a perfect science in my mind. Like I think that because we are so fluid and we're such an interesting uh, dynamic species that you can't really box anybody in specifically, but you can kind of look at them and say like, okay, you exhibit xyz personality or xyz traits and say you know it's beautiful that you have that trait because i don't have that trait and you're filling in the gaps in my life or you're filling in the gaps in our community that i can't fill and that's a really cool thing so that's that's one of the wonderful things about having friends like you you know and maybe one of the reasons that you and i are such good friends is because we are so different you know it's very cool and i think that that's very valuable to understand that among among ourselves or understand that in the context of the broader society so for sure yeah i knew it'd be interesting to talk with you about that i was like oh i'm just gonna ask him you know about the enneagram and it like it doesn't surprise me that you came back with oh but what about this <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh that's cool that has 32 questions here's one with like 150 <laughs> questions <laughs> exactly and also like the other thing that i i I have said to you a couple of times in the last few days, something about your perfectionism. And I hope you know that I don't say that in a negative way, because in every aspect where you have been a perfectionist with me, it has made me better. So for example, I just want to say this to the people that are going to be listening is that like, I was like, Hey, I want to do podcast. Hey, Bo. Or actually, I was like, hey, Bo, I want to do a live Instagram feed. And you're like, 
no, I think you should do it not live and do a podcast and do a video and here's how we can do it. And then we spent like off and on an hour or so yesterday or the day before testing the sound and the video and all these different things and where sometimes I'm, I can be a total perfectionist about things. And then other times I can just be like, Oh, you know, it'll work itself out. And this is one of those areas of my life that I really care about how this podcast sounds and what it looks like to other people. And so for you to kind of take me under your wing and say, okay, girl, like this is not the time for you to be creative, you know, artsy Sarah, this is the time for you to be really focused on making this a quality product was really inspiring and helpful. It was super helpful. And I think that it's going to take what I was thinking of doing one step higher and better. So I hope you know that when I call you a perfectionist, it's not in a negative connotation whatsoever. I really value that about you because I think, I really believe that that is what has created such an amazing brand of Bo de Pena is that you care about what you're putting out there. You care about the quality of your music. You care about the quality of your lyrics, your merchandise, your connection with people. It, it shows, it shows that you're not being sloppy. So I just want to, I just want to say inter or not introvert perfectionist is a good thing in my book. Well, I appreciate that. And it hasn't always been that way. I promise I can show you stuff from three or four years ago that would make you cringe. It would definitely makes me cringe. Um, but speaking to your point, um, this, this podcast, one of the things that I'm very excited about for one, you named it right. I mean, worth the squeeze. I, I love the idea because I think what you're really trying to get out of this is what are the things that are worth doing and doing well and taking time and effort and struggling for what do you, what are the things that you have to squeeze for? to get the best out of life, right? That you really got to work for. And in the end, you know, if you're not putting in your 100%, 110% to like be the best Sarah or be the best bow that you can be, then you're not really squeezing it. You know what I mean? You're not milking it for everything it's worth. And a lot of, a lot, and you know, this is where I think a lot of musicians get confused because they think if you're like making money or you're successful or you're looking at it as a business, then maybe somehow you're selling yourself out or you're not being true to the art or true to the creativity or true to the music. It's like, that's fine. But if you're creative and nobody's listening, you know, if a tree falls in the woods, right? So it's like, you have to take everything about yourself that you truly believe in and that you truly love and get it out to the world and give it, make it the best version it could possibly be at the moment. And undoubtedly you're going to get down the road and you're going to look back and you're going to say, Oh my God, I can't believe that's how I started this podcast. Look at my background, whatever. But right now in this moment where you are, Sarah, look at your background. It looks great. Yeah, like, it's, like I was, I was, I was watching yoga videos this morning. I was thinking like, Oh man, you know, everything's laid out. Well, they thought about their backgrounds and that's how I feel about looking at, where you are right now you know it's like you are getting this and you put the effort you put the time it looks great back there so it's like uh you, you're squeezing this podcast you're getting everything out of it that you need to um so it's kind of yeah it's kind of just a cool thought that i had i don't i don't know 100 percent where i was going with that but i think it's it's relevant so being a perfectionist or, be, or caring about your looks and the way you look smell behave communicate with people communicate shit. like come on 
like learn how to have interpersonal communication. And I think a lot of artists struggle with this. Be good to your fans, yeah. be caring, go above and beyond, talk to them, learn about them. Who are their families? Like smile, you know, do the things that make people feel like they're wanted. And that's how you're going to squeeze everything you can out of being a professional musician. It doesn't matter how talented you are. If you are not caring, if you are not being a good person, if you're not presenting yourself well, if you're not being kind to the folks that support you, you are not squeezing everything you can out of your talents. It doesn't matter how good the music is. You have to do those things. That That's worth the squeeze right there. That's the flow. <laughs> I think you're right. And I think... Um you hit the nail right on the head because like, I don't know if you squeeze fruits very often with your hands, but if you, this morning. you did, we did mandarins this morning. Yes. Good well, job. I know. We didn't do it by hand. We, you know. The little juicer. Yeah. So if you get a, say you get a lime that is an old fucking lime and you try to squeeze it, nothing comes out. Right. Dry. 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 You're just like, fuck, that doesn't work. But if you get something that's ripe, and it's ready and you could you could hand squeeze it like you could just hand squeeze it right into your tequila right um right. and so i think when you're talking about that and one of the things i think is really important is learning not just how to squeeze it like sometimes we squeeze things to death right but learning which things are worth squeezing yeah and yep. learning like what you just said you know your fans the the family members the interactions with people you are learning what's worth the squeeze and sometimes it means you might have a headache you might feel like shit you might have felt like you just performed your worst and you still have to go out there and connect with people because if you don't they're going to remember that you didn't um and it's learning marketing wise and um t-shirts and all the things like what what things are worth it and i think that that is the eternal struggle <laughs> of a business owner, an artist, um, and even just human humans. Like, what is it? What relationships are worth squeezing all the goodness out of and being a part of? And what relationships are sometimes like, okay, I need to place that over here for now. Yeah, I, th I think that's super smart because, uh, you know, uh, Luckily, for the most part in my life, I've been able to avoid some of those toxic relationships, maybe with the exception of like girlfriend relationships. I've, <laughs> I've definitely put myself in some trouble with that in the past. But as far as like business and friendships and that, those kind of relationships, I've, I've tended to avoid um, some bad ones in the past. And typically when it got to a point where I knew like somebody was going to be problematic for me or my career or something like that, it's just like, OK, we're not going to work together anymore um, pretty quickly. Um, everybody's had their experiences, uh, but I think, I think that's a, that's an interesting thought is that we should always be cautious about who we decide to invest our time in. You know what I mean? Like it really has to be somebody that's going to enhance your life. And that's not everybody. I mean, we, we do, we should have people that we are willing to help and go above and beyond. Um, but we do need to be careful about being weighed down by those people that have a negative attitude, for example or that uh, this is one that takes oh, took me a while to realize, but if there's anybody that you're working with that's an artist or a musician or something like that, um, and they tend, to, they tend to despise those folks that have success or that you know, present themselves well or whatever, you'll see that they have this kind of almost resentment 
towards that, get away from that immediately. And the thing is, I've been that person. Uh, I, it was a really bad time in my life. Uh, and I still look back to that point when I was like, you know what, if I didn't, if I didn't buck that and I, if I didn't kick that attitude away from myself, I wouldn't be where I am now because it took me realizing and learning to be like express gratitude and learning that just because you're successful doesn't make you a bad person and learning that money doesn't isn't necessarily a bad thing. I had to get rid of that idea before I started to become a much happier, uh, more mentally stable individual to where I could have communication with those people that were successful and learn from them and realize, you know what, these people have something to offer. And often success doesn't come from people just stealing money from others. Often success comes from them putting out enough value into the world that the folks around them and the folks that support them want to give them money. It's not like they just, it's not like they are out there stealing or, you know, there are people out there who are hucksters and who are, you know, trying to screw people over. But apart from that, most people in business are wanting to provide value and do good things for the world. And in kind, the world returns it back to them in monetary compensation. And if you think about it in that way, you realize that there's a lot of successful people in this world that are honestly trying to do the right thing and be good folks. And so once you can kind of kick that resentment out of your mind, you will suddenly start to realize, holy shit, I can be successful and I can do good things for the world simultaneously. And it's not a zero sum game. Uh-huh. And it was, a, it's a, it was a beautiful realization and it's, it's made me a better person and it's made the environment around me and the people I associate with me much easier to bear and much more healthy, including you. So it's a good, a good addition in life. Yeah. That's such good insight. And I, I have to say, you know, you, you have aligned yourself with some super awesome people, at least here in my community. It's nice that we, we kind of have just pretty much the same friends, you know, people that I really value, you really value the Gary Musgraves and, um, you know, the, Mm -hmm. just everybody, you know, um, what? Oh, on that note, what do you have? Gary's hat. There's a, there's a, a, a hat that Mr. Gary Musgraves from Pagosa Springs, Colorado gifted to me. And this is the one I've been wearing mostly at all my shows. So very it, excited. It's perfect. Well, that's perfect. Cause I'm going to have you sing in a second. So if you want to have the hat on when you sing, you can. This one's a little more casual. This is a, these are my buddies up in Montana, Laney Lou and the bird dogs. I love these guys. Oh, uh, I like that. Yeah, they're they're based out of Bozeman, Montana. Awesome bluegrass blues country band. They're just amazing, and they're awesome folks. You know, we we had that conversation about surrounding yourself with good people, and you know, there's a lot of good musicians out there, and not all of them have you know charming personalities. But these right. guys are one of the folks that I align with, not just because their music's great, but they also hold a really really positive attitude and really like business friendly mindset and they're just they're just cool dudes they're rad we've gotten drunk together too many times (laughs) a couple times (laughs) i love it well i think that's a perfect segue for you to sing a song um what do you what do you think you're gonna sing uh so we talked about i think i'm gonna do the new one okay since you're down in pagosa springs this is a song um inspired by the town of Pagosa Springs. I played down there during the Archuleta County Fair. And uh, this song 
It's called Colorado Rose. When I was sitting at the uh, on the bleachers at the county fair, the sun was going going down behind us, and the mountains are in the foreground uh, behind the the rodeo riders. And it was just such a beautiful sunset. It turned the mountains like this awesome shade of purple, and just kind of everything was popping. All the colors were popping, and the rodeo was still going on. I thought, man, somebody could fall in love in this place. And then later that night, go down to a, a bar in town and one of the bartenders was the barrel racer. And I thought, well, perfect. That's a that's good inspiration right there. And she was cute and I thought, all right. So why not write a song about falling in love with a barrel racer? So I wrote a few notes down and decided to kind of kick the can down the road. And then a few months later, I finally sat down with it. And I think I first, first uh, performed the song in December of last year. It's called Colorado Rose. Sundown turns the mountains purple and lights up Tips her hat down as she's riding at the Archuleta County Fair. It ain't the first time that I've seen her barrel racing in July. Summer night of the time she made me cry Cause she can rope and ride stay up all night she can steal your heart but then she'll say goodbye and when the east wind blows and the fairgrounds close She'll leave you in the dust as she loads her horse and goes Off rides my Colorado She can stop the band as it's playing let you hold her calloused hands The caravan moves on tomorrow And she'll be with another man She can rope and ride Stay up all night She can steal your heart But then she'll see and when the east wind blows and the fairgrounds close, she'll leave you in the dust as she loads her horse and goes. Off rides my Colorado. She'll be 
this time next summer I guess heaven only knows but I'll be dreaming of the fairground and my Colorado Cause she can rope and ride Stay up all night She can steal your heart But then she'll say goodbye And when the east wind blows And the fairgrounds close She'll leave you in the dust As she loads her horse and goes Another foolish heart Is dusting off his clothes off rides my Colorado Rose. Colorado Rose. That's a good one. That's a really oh, good one. Yes. Yeah, it was super awesome when you put that up last night. I was like, oh, it's such a good song. And it's awesome because I was going to ask you uh, what your favorite town in Colorado is. Oh, no, don't you put me in that position. Because <laughs> <laughs> you live in Fort Collins um, area, right? Yeah, Loveland. Loveland. So you can't not say Loveland, but you can't not say Pagosa either. Yeah, you know, it's up there. Uh, <laughs> say that it's up there it's up there i love it yeah um so are you okay with me asking you a few questions that other people have asked me to ask you yes go for okay. it all right this is um, interesting. yeah so some of them i haven't told you yet um mostly because i asked my girls i asked them for some questions for you because they're your biggest fans for sure like they totally They're love so you. Great. I, lo I love those girls. It's yeah. really fun playing girl in Texas and having them sing along. By the way, shout out to my friend Georgia Parker who wrote that song. Nice. I love that. Well, that is a popular song in our household. Um, they love it. And they when you guys should all see Bo perform in front of my kids sometime because they literally want to sit right in front. And they want to sing every word until he's like, hey, sing with me. And then they're like, right. <laughs> which is that's that's a very accurate description of uh go to Pena show with your daughters <laughs> yeah it's awesome so their questions get to come first um sammy wants to know your favorite flower <laughs> favorite flower yeah. hey from texas blue bonnet baby blue bonnet okay yeah i was like sammy he's a male <laughs> like he, he's <laughs> a man he doesn't care oh, we know our flowers come on now okay called blue bonnets blue bonnet okay um summer our youngest um doesn't have a question she has a statement she oh, okay. yeah we've been listening to um records like 24 7 so she cool. just wants to know when we can get one of your records very soon uh they should be ready at the end of april okay early may sometime around then which yeah. it's complicated because I might be making my very first stop when I drive back to Colorado in Pagosa. So I might be up there to hang out with you guys after this whole thing turns around, hopefully. Yes. Um, the problem is that I got it mailed to Colorado. Oh. So, to my, so I won't be able to have it ready then, but I will get it to you for sure by May. 
Okay. Yeah. I saw the cover of it and everything when you were in the juice bar planning it. And so we need, we're excited to buy one from you. So yeah. Um, and then Rachel, she has a good question. She says, and I know you, I know you maybe can't say your favorite place, but what is one of your most favorite venues that you've ever played? Man, uh, I would say single, uh, there's two experiences that I think, uh, I'm not going to say that they're my favorite venues, but I will say that two experiences that really stand out, which was playing Red Ants Pants Music Festival last year. Yeah. Um, and that's out in a, a cow pasture. And I'm actually really good friends with the landowners of, of that, that property up in Montana. Shout out to the Jacksons up there in White Sulphur Springs, Montana. Beautiful property. It's a cow pasture and they, they hold a music festival out there. So that was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Um, uh, and then the second really great experience was opening up for Ned Ledoux uh, just a few weeks back. Uh, in I think it was sometime in January. No, it was March 6th. March 6th. Oh, oh my wow. God. That feels like <laughs> decades ago. Yeah. Uh, March 6th, I got to open for Ned Ledoux at the Sundance Saloon in Fort Collins. That's a great venue, big place. Um, as far as my favorite, this is going to, this might, once again, I might be alienating some people. It's tough to say. I would say in my area, there's a few. So Max Line Brewery mm-hmm. is great. Uh, I also really like, um, what is it? Uh, down closer to Denver, there's a place called the Arvada Tavern. And, and we're talking, I'm going to say just talking venue, not people. Cause a, a lot of the people that I work with are wonderful. I don't want to like leave them out of any of this, but as far as like the actual room, Holy crap. There's a place called the Arvada Tavern in Arvada, Colorado, not too far from Denver. And it's basically a suburb of Denver at this point, but you go up there and it's like speakeasy style. You know, you open up the phone booth and you walk upstairs and uh awesome cocktails great food and man that venue just has the right vibe it's just great every time i played there it's been out of this world so that's definitely one of them um what else there's a lot i don't want to alienate anybody okay you don't have to say anymore we'll leave the montana ones out of it because there's too many there's too many good ones up in montana (laughs) but i would say as far as like my my home my community locally to me um is going to be Max Line Brewery in Fort Collins. And as far as style points, Arvada Tavern. And as far as homies in Colorado, at a distance, come on, riffraff. Right? Totally. Yeah. yeah. You got to love that. Oh, and <laughs> shout out to Motel Soco, because that's always a blast too. It is. Yeah. All good places. I mean, I knew that asking you yeah. that question would be hard. It's like... So hard. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a couple of conversations that you and I have had. Um, that I definitely won't bring up here. And that was like one of the things I was like, it's like talking about like ex-girlfriends or things like that. Like picking your favorite music venue is really hard. (laughs) Yeah. How do you pick a favorite ex-girlfriend when you've broken up with all of them? That's so weird. (laughs) Exactly. It's just not a good topic. (laughs) Um, Okay. So those are their questions, but then we have a few more. Um, So, it doesn't sound like you probably have much time to do this, but have you been watched binge watched any TV recently? Yes. Bring it. What do you think? <sighs> I don't know. I'm like, it's either going to be like Yellowstone or something. No, Tiger King. Oh God. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch it. it was, there was so much buzz around the thing. 
I will say this. I'm, I'm a big fan of documentaries. Yes. I, I really, I, I love learning when I watch TV. I, I, I don't really watch television that's like drama or whatever, uh, but you know, I'll watch some stand-up comedy podcasts and uh, you know, other forms. Of, I loved Breaking Bad. I thought that was some of the best television I've ever experienced. That being said, I don't really watch a lot of TV, but watching Tiger King was so entertaining. It, it, I'm conflicted. Here's why I'm conflicted. I think it's some of the best television I've ever watched. It's so entertaining. It's so great. But at, for, as far as like a documentary is concerned, I'm not fully convinced that the director was like 100% like truthful in the way he put right. things together and like manipulated things. Granted, a lot of documentarists tend to have an agenda. For sure. Um, so you, you got to take them all with a grain of salt and nobody's ever 100% in the right. But I think with this particular situation, the way he put the show together was like purely to be entertainment. It was somewhat informative. I'm sure it changed people's, you know, thoughts and opinions on certain things. But the way I looked at it was like, this is very interesting about the state of the world or the state of a particular, you know, happening in Oklahoma. But in the end, I'm more entertained by this than I am informed by this. And I, I think I thought it was very compelling television. It's great. <laughs> I love it. We're, we're on episode two. And the only reason why I started watching it is one of my best friends, Brandy Hancock. She's a MMA fighter in Colorado Springs. Oh, cool. Yeah. She's badass. She's like my height, my weight, older than me and fighting people. Cool. She's what's awesome. Her, what's her like, sorry, not to interrupt you, no. but like, what's, what's her, uh, what's her, what does she specify in like what style of fighting is she most proficient? I don't know. I have no I, idea. I can I want, find out. I would, I would love to get into jujitsu is why I asked. So. Okay. Yeah. I can find out. She, she fights with Pariah MMA and they are okay. out of Colorado Springs. I'll give you her information, but she's, okay. she's badass because she's super woo woo. Like she's, she has dreadlocks like me. She's super into like, you know, mother earth, father sky stuff. Um, but she can kick ass. So she posted saying that it was a good show to watch. And I was like, excuse me. So because she said it was good, we started watching it and we're even watching it with the kids. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating, right? <laughs> yeah. We're on episode two and all of us are like, who's, who is stranger? Like, it's all strange. It's awesome. Yeah. And it, it well, makes you I, forget. Yeah. It makes you realize how like tr real life is weirder than fiction sometimes. I mean, totally. totally. And I have learned um, years ago when I was a teacher, there was a um, researcher, her name was Ruby Payne, and she researched poverty and stress. And when people are going through a time of poverty and stress, the number one thing that they will spend their time, effort, energy, money on is entertainment. And that is why like WWE wrestling is like so popular and porn and things like that because it gets you away from reality yeah. for a minute and i think that's why the tiger king is so popular because everybody's super stressed out and this is like the best time to just forget about well, life here's the other fascinating thing about tiger king and I, I think about this a lot um all right now we're getting loose which is good i feel like this podcast is going to go longer than we intended it's but fine this, this, no this is where like the good stuff is going to come out yeah. I, so one of the things that I, I think is really valuable about 
good narrative is that there's not there's really very thin lines between right and wrong and one of the problems with today's society and i think hopefully maybe like this disaster is somewhat of a shakeup is that we're so polarized and we're so like rigid in our ideologies and our beliefs that we don't allow for the room that maybe we're wrong and maybe within us exist angels and devils that are constantly at battle with each other. And one of the fascinating things about Tiger King that makes it such a compelling narrative is that you don't really know who's right and wrong by the time you're done. And you're just on episode two. So you've been, you haven't even gotten to the crux of things yet. You don't even know. No. But there are characters within it that upon debut that you say like, oh, what a piece of shit or oh, what, a, what an angel or what a great person. And then like halfway through the series, you realize like, holy shit, I don't know what's right anymore. Like you, it, it blows up your perception of who's right and wrong, who you empathize with, who you hate, who you despise. And the reality is, is that that's life. Yeah. That is how life works you have enemies and friends and then your friends become enemies and your friends become or your enemies become friends. And that's, that's more close to reality than what, when anybody who like tries to project themselves as like, so ideologically or morally like, you know, uh, superior can really do. That's not compelling narrative. If you just tell me you're just like this perfect being and that's like what you project, it's like, you're probably full of shit. That's not real. But you give somebody, you get out there and you say, hey, these are all my fucking flaws. This is the person that I am. You accept it or you don't. And I'm going to do some great things. I'm going to do some shitty things, but come along because this is the way I want to go on this ride. That's real life. And I think that's one of the things about watching Tiger King that makes it such compelling television is that you do go through those ups and downs of like befriending one or empathizing with one and then completely flipping and then vice versa with other characters. It's very interesting. So Well, and I think that that's a beautiful thing about the human condition all the way around is that like I I grew up being very very judgmental and very black white right wrong this is the way things need to be have to be must be and I am evolving and learning and I'm still not, obviously I don't have it figured it out. I don't have it figured out, but that some of the people that I would have been so judgmental of are the ones that I see now doing such beautiful things. And sometimes it's the people that you least expect that will do the most beautiful things. And and sometimes vice versa, you know, the ones you think are going to have it all together and choose the best path are the ones that don't. And so, and you know, whatever that means, the best path. And so it's, it is a really beautiful way of navigating life when we are able to cut down a lot of those judgments about people and figure out that we are all more than what meets the eye. Because honestly, if you look at like just the pictures of the show, it's really easy to like totally negate it and make fun of it. Right. Um, or to put labels on all the people in the show and call them names or whatever. Um, and I think what's beautiful is that they're all human. Right. And a lot of them came from trauma. And I, I, I actually, that's something that, um, you know, one of the, I don't know why, but I'm certainly, as I've gotten older, I've become more empathetic to all sorts of people. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but, um, 
I feel more, I feel more deeply, like things hurt me more. Like, you know, if somebody, even somebody I don't know, like if I hear about a passing of somebody or an injury or a tragic accident, like those things are starting to, to hit me uh, a lot more than they used to. And I think as you get older and you, you live your life through experiences, you can empathize, not sympathize, you empathize with people more because you've been through something similar. You've seen this and you know that feeling. So it starts to turn on these, these light bulbs and switches. And when I'm watching the show and I hear, like you, like you said, you start prejudging the characters and then you hear about their story. And you say like, oh yeah. man, I went through a traumatic experience what would like how man what you know um for lack of a better term um you know uh what's what do they what do they say it's a religious term that that i that i really like um if not but for the grace of god right right and you don't have to be religious to understand what that means all it's saying they're not trying to say god as like a being you're just saying if but for the luck or the happenstances of my circumstance, had I gone through something like that, like who would I be? So when you start to hear their backstories and you start to feel like, holy shit, like these, these people are suffering or they're tormented for certain things. And how dare me, who's had it so well, judge folks who have had it not so well or had a, a really difficult time being in the position they're in they're doing everything they can with the tools that they've been given yeah. you know so it's it's easy for us to judge but we don't know we don't know somebody's history we have no idea most of the time we have no clue mm -mm. you and i as close to friends as you and i are there's a lot that we don't know about each other a whole sure. lot that we don't know about each other for sure so imagine those people every day that you just walk by and you like glare at or you just have a you know a negative to like why right. says says less about them than it says about you for sure well and i think it's amazing when there are people that are so unashamedly open about their shit and they make other people insecure to oh yeah Dude, right <laughs> one of the coolest things well i wouldn't say cool i would say one of the most eye-opening and kind of like aha moments I've ever had in my life was I had a friend uh, who I used to play music with in New York City. And we got along really well, it seemed. And then uh, we spent some time apart. And, you know, we didn't see eye to eye on everything. But we spent some time apart. And then I, I noticed that he was like defriending me on all the social media platforms or whatever. It's like, oh, man. And it kind of hurt. It was like, why? Why are you like, what did I do to you to to warrant this kind of behavior. And it, a few years later, he got a hold of me and he said, you know what, it had nothing to do with you. It was just me not liking the fact that you were so open, like you were just living the way you wanted to live. And I was at the time he was telling me that he was insecure and didn't like that about me that because I was too honest, I was too blunt with who I was. And he was kind of a thespian, you know, he was also like, he was a musician, but he was also a painter. And he was also an actor. And he was very much in that realm, where a lot of what he did in his persona was all very much an act. And I was very much just me, like you got Bo 100%. And he almost didn't like that because he was living behind this kind of cover. Mm. But he got a hold of me, and kind of 
in some way apologized, but also it was good just to catch up with him. But he was saying a lot of that fear I had was because I didn't, I didn't appreciate who you were at the time because you were just blunt force bow, you know, <laughs> it was like you were, you were it. And the reality is I've held that same, his perspective on other people. For sure. So, you know, being real and being authentic, um, in the end will help you, but the reality is it might alienate some people. It might make some other people judge you. That's the truth, you know? So. Well, and it's uncomfortable. I feel there's the saying about, you know, what, what we see in other people that we don't like is really a mirror coming back. Yeah. Um, yep. And man, there are times that, you know, I'll pinpoint something in somebody that I don't really appreciate. And whenever that saying comes back in my head, I was like, oh no, 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 no. Don't do that to me. Like, not with that person or not that thing. And it's always a learning point because it never fails within a couple of weeks or months or years. I'm like, oh yeah, yep, there it is. <laughs> you know, that, that saying is right. And um, that's fascinating. I think that's really insightful, um, especially for, it's weird that your uh, Myers-Briggs has that judging aspect because you're not, you're not into judging people. You, it must be like You're judging. Wrong. I, I do. Oh, I know. We all do. I do. But we are, as humans, like we need to be able to use our, our intellect and our rationality to go above and beyond what our, pre, like our predispositions are to that do. That makes sense. Right? So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's, I mean, and I'm not saying judging is necessarily an unhealthy thing. Sometimes it can actually be really good for keeping awareness on situations, right? Right. right. Understanding, you know, your environment and what's around you and being aware of, you know, potential things that could go wrong or, you know, um, I'm starting to notice this more when I'm at bars and I see like an unsavory cast of characters, like drunk guys that'll come in, like, you know, um, that you can tell like, oh, they're drunk on a different level. You know what I mean? Like, so that's kind of the judging thing at work and at play and where it serves its utility. The problem is, is that sometimes it can get to a point where it's preventing you from making better relationships with the people around you and the community and the networks. So being able to rationalize through it and say like, okay, this is part of my personality. How do I adapt and, you know, change it to be useful and not harmful, mm -hmm. right? So... That, that is interesting. A friend of mine uh, that I've known since I was two, I've known him forever. He, I asked him what his superpower was one day. So that'll be my next question for you. I asked him what his superpower was. And he said, reading people, I can read people instantly. And it's true. Cause I was at a music venue with um, him and with Gavin and there was a fight that was about to break out. And Gavin's response was going to be smash. <laughs> You know? Yeah, Gavin smash. <laughs> yeah. And my friend Rob's response was, this guy needs a hug. Yeah. And, but Rob's, you know, six foot, a million and 300 and something pounds. He's like the guy you were talking about earlier, the opposite of Bo. And right. he just hugs the guy and the whole situation ends. But to the point is that I had asked him what a superpower was and he said, reading people. And he goes, but what's funny, Sarah, I've known you since we were two and you are the one person, if I saw walking down the street, I'd have a really hard time reading because of the tattoos within the hair, but you're like really clean. 
but artistic, but I can't tell if you're like, you know, where you stand politically just by, you know, he, he said, I have such a hard time reading you. And he's like, I wonder if people don't know what to do with you sometimes when they meet you because you look so friendly, but also so like scary. <laughs> that might've been like my first, my first thing, like my, like, I, I can agree with him with that. You seem like to be an enigma of some sort, but I feel like after the, the night we hung out at Donnie's, like all that was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah, because you tried to feed me chicken broth. <laughs> Bone broth. <laughs> Bone broth. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> um, not vegan broth. <laughs> not vegan. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what is your superpower, Bo? Oh, shit. Because uh, there's a dark side to every superpower. So what's the superpower? Patience. Hmm. Really? Uh, yeah, I can see that. Like ultra patience. stick to Let's call it stick to mm -hmm. I just don't quit. And that's, uh, you know, my, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little guy, but when I was growing up, like I was a scrapper, like I was always like facing guys that were bigger than me and facing those challenges. And I just wasn't afraid. And like, it's gotten me into some trouble for sure. I have a dent in my, in my forehead. I don't know if you can see it right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can. That, yeah. that was from a bad fight that I did not win. Um, <laughs> But there were many that I did, and I just I just developed an attitude of like you know, I'm, and I'm not advocating for fighting or violence. I'm just saying that that's the type of personality that I was, and it relates because I remember my dad saying this to me maybe about a year ago. And my dad's a big dude. My dad's like six two, like super built. Did jujitsu his whole life. Like I mean, he's one of those. He's a monster. Like the guy knows what he's doing. But he's always told me, he's like, you are fearless. You just don't stop. You don't quit. Like, even if like all the odds are against you, you don't stop. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of relates to the, the patience and the stick to and all that. And, it, and you, it takes that to do what I'm doing because man, there are many failures I've experienced over the last four or five years, constantly losing out, losing money, losing this being in debt, coming out of debt, and then like finding my way back in and then like continuing to push forward despite all those things that are pushing against you. And I think that that explains a lot of how I am in the outdoors with running, with fly fishing, with hunting, all those things require intense amount of dedication, effort, and patience and just stick with it. Even when everything sucks, it hurts, it's painful, it's tedious, you just do it. You just shut up and do it. And mm. that's, that's the superpower, I'd say. What's the dark side to that superpower? The dark side of that superpower is, is that, and this probably relates back to the Myers-Briggs, and I think it's accurate, is that uh, I can be very impatient with people. I'm, <laughs> I'm very patient with situations and, and chasing that stuff. But if somebody is not, as focused or as goal oriented or as driven as I am, I can smell that a mile away. And if there's any level of like um, laziness or incompetence or something like that, I will pounce on that. And that sometimes is broken up for friendships. And that's to my detriment. Like I, I certainly, like I say, I've become more empathetic as I've grown older and figured out how to like navigate that world a little bit better and be a little bit more considerate of other people's situations. But certainly if somebody is slowing me down, I have very little patience for that. That, that is where it kind of, you know, that's the dark side. That's the darkness coming out. 
That's interesting. I love how the, it's the same word, you know, patience for life, patience for. Patience for life and like goals versus patience for people is a very different thing. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Okay. So I really like this one. What is your most embarrassing moment on stage? That's a great question. And I know I've had some. You, you keep it all together. So I, I, you know, I've never seen you get embarrassed really. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's stuff that's embarrassing in the moment, but in the end it kind of enhances the show a little bit because one of the things that I like to do is just be myself and be authentic. Um, when I was opening for Ned Ledoux recently, actually like 900 people full sold out venue. Um, I did take a shot. I, I like chugged my beer really quickly, but it foamed up and just like blew up in my face. <laughs> I had it all like drenched down my face and my guitar. But that being said, like everybody in the audience was clapping and having a blast. So that wasn't really that bad of a moment, honestly. Uh, they're like, Hey, is this kids, is it, this is first drink like ever? <laughs> uh, the moments that have been like completely embarrassing for me, uh, tend to be ones where the, the band is just not together. And I just get so incredibly uncomfortable, you know, like, I know we're not doing well. I feel the energy from the audience. I'm not going to say that it was any one moment, but I would say collectively, I think back, if I had to think about what I'm most embarrassed on stage is when we're not doing our jobs. That makes to, sense really entertain people and get people dancing. And, you know, I'm a leader. So at the end, the bug stops with me. So if we're not doing our job, there must be something I could do better, whether it's hiring the right people or, (laughs) you know, like being better at putting together rehearsals, whatever. But at the end, the buck stops with me. And there's been moments where I've been on that stage feeling like we are not ready to be here. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't this is this is a disservice to the people that are at this show ah uh, yeah that's a crappy feeling yeah yeah well for what it's worth i've never seen you feel that way so that's good as far as you know as far as i know yeah but in <laughs> generally it's it's pretty good well yeah because we accept you just i mean you yeah. could literally show up with that chug of beer all over you and we'd be like oh whatever <laughs> just come well, out be careful what you wish for. I, right. Um, okay. This is a question that somebody asked, but I also had it on my list. And so I'm going to do this one um, for sure. If you were not a singer songwriter, what would you choose as a career? Ooh, uh, some sort of outdoors guide. If I had to do like a, like a passion career, yeah, that would be it. Like some, some sort of outdoors guide. Did yeah. your life ever look like you were going to go somewhere other than singing? Like when you were younger, was there pressure from your parents to do anything different? Uh, Law school was a big one. Um, And at at the end of the day, I mean, I still, a lot of what I do involves, uh, you know, the legal world as far as copyright and, um, you know, publishing and, you know, intellectual property. So it's not something that's completely out of the realm of possibility for my future. That being said, um, to this point, I haven't had anything that has pulled me out of music. I will say that much. Um, but I do want to start experimenting with other things, like maybe at some point investing in some real estate and, you know, uh, the stock market, doing multiple things just to kind of keep, keep the whole project afloat. Um, but you know, that's another day. Uh, but 
yeah, outdoor outdoors guide, fly fishing guide, hunting guide, uh, backcountry guide, something something to that effect. Yeah, because I, I I'm just, I'm just very passionate for the outdoors. Next time you're in town, we've never really done this, but next time you're in town, like Gavin loves fly fishing and all all the things you just mentioned, he loves. So you guys should totally go do that. We'll do that. We'll make it happen. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. We usually I'm like, you want to go to the hot springs? That's nice and relaxing, <laughs> but. <laughs> He's the one that will go do the adventurous stuff. And I'm the one that's like, you want a yoga and hot springs? <laughs> I did my it. first Rocky Mountain hunt uh, last November. And I will say I have, uh, I've done marathons. I've been involved in fitness and from my whole life. And uh, nothing has been more challenging to me than going out into the back country and doing like a real outdoors hunt and being like, having to move up and down hill like the way I was with a heavy pack on my back, a pack full of meat and a pack full of everything. And doing that back and forth six times was quite the experience. And when I got back to that, my, uh, my car and was able to put down that last pack after five days of hunting with no shower, no like proper, you know, facilities to like clean myself up or sleep or whatever. It was, it was an amazing experience, but my body was completely drained. It was worth the squeeze. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you put your body and your energy and your mind to its maximum effort. And then you finish and you just feel like you've done it like that. You can't get that feeling from anything else other than just pushing yourself, you know? Absolutely. That's not a half squeeze. That is like, full squeeze it's the whole thing and then probably now i mean what what did you what did you hunt that time was that, that was mule mule deer yeah and so <laughs> it was a it was a pretty large animal i managed to get a buck it was i think about like it must have weighed over 200 pounds because we ended up getting about 60 pounds worth of meat and I, i'm still feeding my family myself and my family off of that meat over the last few months since november um so between that one and some of the the animals that i harvested in texas um, we're able to basically have a, a full freezer's worth of meat for about a year or more. Um, Which totally makes it even more worthwhile, I would assume, is you worked really hard and it was those five days of, you know, icky conditions and total, you know, being tired and physically just putting yourself to the max. But probably every time you eat that, you are thinking like, man, I did this. I provided for my family. I... I went above and beyond. This wasn't just from the grocery store. I, I worked for this. I mean, family and friends. I mean, I'm giving it out, you know, like I, I have not to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not yet. No, not to you, obviously, but which is okay. I mean, you know, everybody chooses to squeeze life in whatever way that they want. Right. Yeah. But for me, like it was nice because I was able to put meat on the table and I appreciate it. And to me, it tastes better because yeah. it's not just the fact that it's organic meat and it's not processed and it's not, you know, there's no preservatives or anything in the animal. It's just, it tastes better because I know I did this. Mm-hmm. Like this is me, this is coming from the fruits of my labor. And, um, and to be able to share that with other people takes it to another level. You know, it's one thing to have it for yourself. Um, but uh, th- that whole experience was honestly life-changing. I would put it up uh, atop of like finishing my first marathon, like crossing that, wow. that finish line for the first time. It, it was to that effect. Um, it changed who I was as a person. 
And I, you know, I grew up hunting and fishing, but it was real simple for me because we have smaller ranches in Texas and, you know, uh, the, the strategies aren't necessarily as, as difficult. Whereas when you do it up in the mountains and on private or on public lands, um, you're really working for every mile that you move and every, you know, every day is a new challenge and a new struggle. So when you're done, you're like, holy crap, I did that. And I'm a different person now because of that, mm -hmm. like it pushed me to a new level. Like, I feel like I'm more accomplished and I'm, you know, uh, it's just different. It's really cool. It just changes and you value the meat more. You value the animal more. You, you have more, uh, um, reverence for what it is that you're doing out there, you know, and I don't think a lot of people get an opportunity to experience that. So I like that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have a choice. You can sing another song or yeah. we could do the rapid answers and kind of wrap things up. What would both I want rapid answers, rapid I answers. The tequila's kicking in, so I'm like on a, on a talking right now. Okay, cool. Rapid answers. Probably than I will play right now with this tequila. <laughs> right. Um, so the idea of these rapid rapid answers. See, I can't say rapid rappers. Rapid answers is that you don't really have to think about it; you just say it. Um, <sighs> oh man, this is gonna, okay. This might be harder than I thought. Okay, I know. On. Well, there's, there's two of them that we already talked about. So I have to, there's three of them we already talked about. Oh shit. Okay. Okay. I, I'm ready for them. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite quote? Oh man. I, okay. I, I've got it. Um, damn it. Rapid. No, it's okay. Take your time. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Cause you can cut this out. I can't, <laughs> but I won't. No. I got it. Hold on a second. You can look it up if you have to. I, ha I have to. I have to look it up because I got to get it right. Quote. All right. There's one by Theodore Roosevelt that I like that we will go to. It's that uh, I believe it's something to the effect of, I have never liked a man who has led an easy life. Mm. I think that's so true. I think some of the best character building is having a rough and difficult life and a, like having been through like a lot of unfortunate or difficult events that make you the person you need to be. So that one, Theodore Roosevelt. And I think in general, the man in the arena speech, that sums it up. That, that, that if I had to choose one like speech to encompass my view on life, man in the arena. And a, a lot of people feel that way, but I think that's for a reason. I think it really is that good, so. I like that one. Good. Love it. What is one thing that is on your bucket list that you have not accomplished yet? Uh, typically it's been to play in front of like a thousand or so people. And, and I got that one last year. I was very fortunate. Thanks to the Red Ants Pants Festival. That was good. Um, I would say uh, bucket list. Oh, you know, I really want to go fly fishing in New Zealand. That's, oh. that's a big one. That's one that's been on my mind recently. Yeah. I like that. Okay, good. What is one thing that keeps you grounded when the rest of life is spinning? Um, when I get outside and you, this, this kind of relates back to my hunting story. I think 
every time I find myself anxious or stressed or in a weird position where I can't seem to get my shit together, I, I try to get outside, whether it's for a run or whether I'm out fly fishing on, on a river um, or I'm hunting. Something about being out in the wilderness or just outside in general makes me feel smaller. But I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, it, it puts you into perspective to realize, like, how little and trivial sometimes your problems or your insecurities or your anxieties can be. I'm not saying that, that it is for everybody. I know that it's a big thing for some people to deal through these things. But for me, when I, when I get out there, it puts everything into perspective. And I, this is a really interesting uh, story that I don't, that I've, I think only, I've only told this to two people, my dad and my hunting partner, uh, Sean. Um, the, the morning that I killed my buck out in the mountains, they had the whole hunting crew that we were with had left. Um, they had gone out back to front range and I was still out there hunting and I decided to stay cause it was my first ever hunt and I had the opportunity. So I pitched my little tent. We, we left the cabin. I went down to the hunting grounds and like pitched my little tent down there and was just totally by myself. Luckily they were nice enough to leave me with a little heater to heat up my tent. Cause it got to like 15 degrees that morning. So I, I sat there just with my heaters slept in the morning, woke up at 5.00 AM and I started walking to the hunting uh, spot that we had been at. And as I'm walking out, it's, it's pitch black, obviously. It's in the middle of the morning. So it's pitch black. It's just my headlamp and me. And we're wa I'm walking into the wilderness by myself. And, you know, you get this eerie feeling. And as I'm doing that, I, I just hear a bah! And then, like, I saw this light just light up. Suddenly everything lit up around me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I stopped and I looked up at the sky and I saw a trail. And then, like, a like a cloud of smoke that had been blown up and a, and a meteorite. I mean, this is what all I can decipher, but it seemed to me as if a meteorite hit the atmosphere and blew up in the atmosphere and just caused everything to light up, made that big loud boom in the sky. And I looked back and I could see the trail and I was like, wow. Like, that was really interesting. I've never seen anything like that because you see shooting stars all the time, but you don't get to see one that hits the atmosphere and blows up wow. in the atmosphere. And I'm like walking out and that whole eerie feeling that I had about walking through the wilderness kind of went away because it was like, man, we're in the universe. Like we're <laughs> in the fucking universe. Like I look up, there are the stars and the sky and everything beyond that I can't even see with the, the naked eye. And there's some object, some extraterrestrial object came and hit a, a spherical layer of air and blew up in that spherical layer of air. As I'm here, this little bing on this massive planet walking to go harvest a deer, like walking to a goal. And that just happened above me. Hmm. And we can talk about the things that ground me on a day-to-day -day basis, but if you want to talk about something that grounds you on a profound and existential level, that event, for some reason, had a big, profound impact on me. And it just so happened that it happened on the morning I was walking out by myself to go kill my first ever Rocky Mountain mule deer by That's myself. Crazy. It was That's, really cool. That's and something... I, I wish I had it on camera or something, but... No. It was, 
I'm glad you didn't. Cause I feel like that's something that's just yours. You know, it's something you're going to tell your grandkids. It's, you know, maybe even you write a song about it someday. Like it's, it's weirdly, uh, it's poetic and very personal. So maybe it's good. Nobody else was there. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Dude. I, I, and the thing is I, I forget about it because it happened at a point when I was still groggy and tired and like, but yet it hit me so hard. And I, I don't know why, but for some reason I'm not compelled to tell a lot of people about it. Like until mm-hmm. something like this, where it like gets deep into like, it's like, wow, that was a moment. That's that cool. cool. Thank you cool. for sharing that. That's yeah. awesome. Forgot about that. Hmm. Now I feel like the other questions aren't as good. Um, <laughs> I have three more. Uh, words of encouragement for others right now. I feel like there are, you know, maybe there's a struggling musician or, um, you know, a teenager trying to figure out their way in life or just a stay at home mom that's stuck with kids at home and wondering what this whole fucking thing is going to look like in a couple of months. What would be your words of encouragement to somebody listening that might be struggling through some things emotionally a little bit right now? I think with every crisis or every mishap or every, um, you know, negative event that happens in our life, there's opportunity. And I think the people that really succeed in this world are those that can power through those, those, um, uh, those tough moments to realize that there's always a silver lining. You just have to, you just have to work towards it and you just have to see it. You have to envision it. And a lot of what we do as humans and a lot of the value that we create in society and in life and a lot of the things that are good, they don't, they don't come from like money and those things. Like, yeah. Like once again, we have this conversation, money's important. It's a tool. It's a resource, right. That we use, but it's not that everything good comes from like money or success or these they come from us they come from people they come from our vision they come from our um what we are willing to create in our minds so uh even in situations that seem dire the the human spirit is what allows us to overcome those things Mm. that's it like you can't if you allow situations to Uh, negatively impact you so much so that you are debilitated and you can't move then that you should avoid that at all costs is what I'm trying to say and even in in survival when they teach you survival you know and I'm not being all survivalist or anything but I'm saying even when you're out in a survival situation the number one rule stay positive stay positive keep a positive mindset because as soon as you lose that you're done so we can make it better or we can make it worse. In the end, that's up to us. So that's mm-hmm. the encouragement I can give. I like that. Thank you. Uh, two more. What do you want people to remember about you? Mm. Hard work. Mm. Hard work and dedication. That'll happen. That's cool. It. That's it. You know. This is one of my favorite. Um, this also comes from our favorite fangirl, which I don't even know if you've actually met her yet. Um, oh, no, you have met her, but she wasn't a fangirl yet. You met her when you played at Motel Soco for Braxton's like graduation party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you and I were standing next to each other, and she and her boyfriend, now husband, were standing next to each other. Anyway, from that day, she started listening to your music, and now she just thinks you're amazing. So... 
anyway, her question, or maybe it's her husband's question, um, because it's funny. I've heard your voice can cure COVID-19 symptoms. (laughs) Can you confirm or deny? (laughs) Well, it depends on how much federal money I receive for uh, distributing the cure. (laughs) Right? Do we need to trademark it and patent it? (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, I haven't had Dr. Fauci call me about my my vocals just yet, but I'm I'm willing to accept the phone call, and I would be happily uh, willing and ready to... um, provide the cure when necessary. You know, wouldn't it be amazing because I I do feel, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but I do feel like entertainment, music, lyrics, they are healing for sure. They Um, they really can be. And that's, and that's one of the reasons that, you know, um, I try to very much just focus on the entertainment aspect. You know, I don't think I do any one particular thing. Amazing. I'm not definitely not the best guitar player around i'm not the best singer around in the end i'm there to entertain people and make sure they have a good time that's my job and a lot of that involves me putting aside you know things that i feel about particular situations i try to be very cautious about what i talk about and you know uh, even when i talk about things that may seem political i try to do it in a way that connects everybody rather than you know alienates or uh, polarizes people it's not a matter of denigrating any one person or any one idea, but it's a matter of projecting the, the human experience in a way that is fun, entertaining, um, that it can also connect with people. And I think if you do that the right way, then yes, music can be incredibly therapeutic, but you need to do that in a way that is incredibly egalitarian to where you invite in as many people to your circle and to your, to your talents as possible. And I think sometimes artists lose sight of that. They feel like the need to project their own, you know, biases and emotions or whatever, which is, which can be good. You know, that can be incredibly powerful too, but I try to make it so that I put, put as many people under the umbrella of what I'm doing as possible. So if it makes them feel better, um, that's wonderful. I want that. I want that for everybody. I don't want, I just want that for this person or that person or somebody that thinks that way or this way. I want it for everybody as best mm-hmm. as I can. Do. So, and that's why I stand around after shows and shake hands and have a good time and drink with people. So <laughs> that's true. I love it. Sweet. So I have asked all the questions that I'm supposed to ask. We've done all the rapid fire. You've sang a song. We've had drinks. Is there anything that you want to wrap up with or anything we feel like we've missed anything you would like to say? How do you like your first podcast? <laughs> Good question. I like it because I, well, number one, it's easy to do this with somebody that is reciprocal and we have a reciprocal relationship where we could talk literally for hours. So that feels really good. I thought I was going to be really nervous, but as soon as I sat down and realized I'm just having a conversation with a friend, it's, it's super easy. Um, I'm excited to hear what other people have to say and also, I hope, I mean, so there, there's the feeling of like, I feel like this was great. And I learned, I learned from you today in sharing our stories and our time together. I feel like I learned from you. And so I think I can walk away from it and say that even if nobody ever got anything out of this, I think it's a great experience, but I really do believe that other people are going to get something out of this because of what you shared and because 
of how we were able to work together. So I'm excited to do more and it feels really good. And I'm glad I have like a microphone that can hear me and lights that can see me <laughs> and all the advice that you gave me ahead of time so that it sounds great. Right. It sounds great. It looks great. Your background is awesome. And like, I I've said this about you for a long time is that I think, I think your brand, I mean, the juice goddess and everything, I mean, you, you fully encompass it. And I, I think it's going to do wonderful things and I'm very excited for it. Um, and I think you have a big opportunity. Um, I think the whole concept of worth the squeeze and the, that, uh, I guess that, um, the motivation to find those other people that are equally motivated or the, that are equally ambitious, um, but doing it in a way that's organic and it's natural. And I think if there's one thing that I've definitely learned is that there's a lot of ways that you can cheat um, to make it almost seem as if you're like in a bigger position than you are or to, you know, buy your Facebook fans or your Instagram fans or whatever. And there certainly is a lot of people in my industry that tend to do that. But one of the reasons that I think I get along with you and the concept for your podcast really speaks to me is that you're doing the things properly. You're, you're taking the time to go and actually grow the business organically and grow the brand organically and grow who you are and have a level of authenticity that is like no bullshit. Like this is me. And I try to do that all the time. And, you know, I, I don't like it. I don't like to see other people certainly just like going out and trying to fake it, fake it till you make it. I just don't always buy that. I think there's a little bit of that that everybody might need to do. But I think in the end, if you're just being natural and you're being yourself and you're doing the right thing by other people that work with you, I think in the end, that's what's really going to matter. Because whether you fail or lose in that situation, you're never going to feel, um, you're never going to have regrets because you did it the right way. And that's it. And you may fail. I might fail. There's a lot of room for me to fail within the next few years. But at least I know I stuck to my morals and I stuck to my values. And at the end of the day, that's what's going to make the difference on your deathbed. You're going to look back and say, did I live up to my morals and to my standards? and to my values. And um, that's why I love the concept of what you're doing. Is it worth the squeeze? How do you make it worth the squeeze? And I think part of it is just being truthful and being authentic, so. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for being on this life journey with me, not just as two business owners, but as two friends and for giving me the benefit of the doubt, being the, you know, the tattoo chick that hated country music to now becoming, you know, a huge fan of you and a friend. And we, we just love you out here in Pagosa. And I'm really excited that you were my first podcaster. So we're going to have to do it again when in person. Yes. In person would be a lot of fun. Uh, it'll be way more laid back too. I feel in person. Yeah. Totally. Maybe even more tequila and then really just shoot the shit. Most but likely. Thanks. Thanks to you all. Thanks to the town of Pergosa. Thanks to you. I, I love you all. And I love you. you. You guys are wonderful. And your kids, the whole family. So thank, thank you for doing this and inviting me on. I'm honored to be the first guest. And uh, let's see where this goes. Yeah. Thanks, Bo. All right. Do you have yeah. an official sign off or anything like that yet? I don't know. I mean, should we, should we make one? You want to uh, sing a jingle? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> but you got to have like a little catchphrase, like go out there and squeeze, squeeze it. it. <laughs> 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 we're we're going to have to think of that. Um, so maybe I could put a shout out to people listening. What should be our end phrase? Like uh, yeah, okay. worth the squeeze, stay juicy. Stay juicy. I do like that one. Stay juicy, Bo. All right. Stay juicy, Sarah. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. All right. Talk soon.